West Bowles, good morning. Hey, finish this phrase for me. Ready or not? Ready or not, here I come. That's a, <laughs> that's a phrase that we all know from a game that we've all played, and that's a game that uh, is being played a lot in our house right now. And right now, actually, our, our two-year-old, I've talked to you about her before, True, she thinks that when you're the seeker, that um, you, you're supposed to keep saying that phrase. And so she'll get done counting, and she's like, ready or not, ready or not. And then she forgets she's playing, and suddenly she's going, ready or not. And you'll say, true, what are you doing? She said, ready or not. And so it just becomes what she says. Uh, but for the next few weeks, I want you to just tweak that phrase in your mind a little bit to this. Ready or not, here it comes. Ready or not, here it comes. And it can take on a lot of different forms in our lives for us right now. It's literally it. We have a baby coming in six weeks. Yes, six weeks. I know that. All right. Six weeks. <laughs> And uh, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. We decided to wait until the baby is born to find out what it is. But uh, that's what it is for us right now. Um, it can also be a change or a different pace in life. It can be a different schedule. It can be different friendships. It can be the start of a relationship. It can be the end of a relationship. It can be different living circumstances. But when you boil it all down, it is change. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the end of the summer is upon us and change is in the air. And um, if you're like me, you tend to resist that change a little bit because we don't like change. We like things the way they are. But this season, we really believe that there's also an opportunity because change over and over in my life, I've seen it to be an opportunity for God to do something in and with my life and for me to actually get to experience that and be part of it. And I think one thing I know about myself and probably all of us in here is you don't like to get to the end and look back and regret that you missed an opportunity. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of being ready or not for what God has for us in the midst of that change in our lives. So as we dive into that, will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much that you are a God who... Well, you have us in mind. You don't have to have us in mind, but you do. And so in the midst of whatever change is looming in our lives as we change even seasons very, very soon here, will you show us what it is that you are doing and so that we can be part of that, we can, we can partner with you in and, and with what you're doing in our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, say this after me. Lord, show me what to do with my time. So I can be part of what you're doing at all times. All right, one more time. Lord, show me what to do with my time so I can be part of what you're doing at all times. That is a prayer that if it came to life in my life, I'd view my time differently. And that's a prayer that if it came to life in your life, you would view your time differently. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to look at this idea in Psalm 90. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there and we'll be there very shortly. But that's an idea that I believe is just the perfect starting point for us to begin a conversation and a discussion on being ready or not for the change that is inevitable in our lives. And it's a perfect starting point to begin a discussion 
about God doing something in and with our lives in the midst of that change. And it's an idea that really has recently become a prayer that's just been beating inside my heart. And that prayer is simply this, Lord, show me what to do with my time so I can be part of what you're doing at all times. And as I've prayed that recently, I've realized that that is a real roller coaster of a prayer to pray. Because part of it is very exciting for us. It's that part that says, so I can be part of what you're doing at all times. Because we love the idea of being part of something bigger than ourselves. I mean, that's why you get together with friends. It's why you join a group. That's why you join a team. That's why you come here. It's because there's something you get in being part of something bigger than you than you get when you're sitting home alone. We all do. You know, we love to see God doing something in the lives of, children, of our children, of our parents, of our neighbors, of our coworkers, classmates, teammates. And it's even better when he uses you to be part of that. But there's another part of that prayer that's a little more difficult to pray. And it's the part that says, show me what to do with my time. That's hard, isn't it? Because we guard our time. If you're like me, you really guard your time or you try. Usually I, I fail at that, but we like our time. And yes, I want to I be part of God, what you're doing. I just don't always like when it affects what I'm doing and what I want to be doing with my time. And so what do you do with these two seemingly opposite ideas? You know, God, I want to see and I want to experience what you're doing, but don't mess up what I'm doing because I like my time and I like, you know, I, I don't want to have to make changes. Well, we're going to look at an idea in Psalm 90 this morning that I really believe is going to cause us to reframe our perspective of our time. So as we look at that this morning, you know what I think makes Psalm 90 so powerful? It's not just what it says, but it's who wrote, who they think wrote what it says and when. Because many, many sources believe that it wasn't David who wrote this psalm, but it was Moses thousands of years ago. And it's the story that leads up to when they think he wrote it that makes it very powerful. And maybe you remember God's people, they're in Egypt and they're enjoying favor at the time because Joseph is there and Joseph has found favor in the eyes of God and in the eyes of Pharaoh at that time. And so his family moves there but eventually Joseph dies and Pharaoh dies and a new Pharaoh comes to power. And he looks at these people of God and he sees them growing and multiplying and he doesn't like that because their number and their size is a threat to his power. And so what he does is he enslaves the people of God. And for over 400 years, they would be a slave nation in Egypt. And it, during that time, God's people begin to cry out. They say, rescue us, God, rescue us. And so God hears their prayer and he singles out a man, Moses, to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. And after a little brief conversation that kind of went like this, Moses, you're my chosen instrument to lead my people out of slavery. And Moses says, I don't want to do that and I can't do that. So find somebody else. And God said, too bad, you're doing it. And God usually, no, he always wins those conversations. <laughs> but it seems like just a few moves of God is all it takes to free his people from slavery. And you remember they cross the Red Sea and they look back and they see their enemies pursuing them, Pharaoh's army. And as they look back, they see God close the sea around their enemies. And so now God has delivered them 
and he has protected them. And now they're in the wilderness. And now God is providing for them because he gives them their food every single day. But the excitement of their freedom kind of starts to wear off, doesn't it? And they look around and they say, God, what are you doing? I mean, this isn't really what I had in mind to be doing. What are you doing? And they begin to grumble and they begin to complain and they begin to rebel against the God who has guided them, delivered them, protected them, provided for them. And so God sees all this and he hears all this and he says, this generation of my people, all of them, except for two, all of them will die without seeing the land that I'm bringing my people to. And over the next 40 years, Moses saw 600,000 fighting men who came out of Egypt with him die in the wilderness. 600,000. And that's just the fighting men. There are estimates that there were between one and two million people that may have died out there. And if you do the math on that, I'm a numbers guy, all right? But if you do the math on that, that means on average, every single day, Moses was watching between 40 and 120 people die. And it's in the midst of all this death and all this dying that they think Moses wrote Psalm 90. And so let's take a look. If you have your Bibles, we're in Psalm 90, verse 1. And if you don't have your Bibles or an app or whatever, it'll be up on the screen. But Psalm 90, verse 1, look what he says. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I mean, that is just a cool picture right there. Because Moses is reflecting on what God has done. And he's done some big things from generation to generation, from Abraham to where Moses is at this point. God, has, he's been so big in their lives. He has been a dwelling place. When they didn't know where they were going to find food, when they didn't have their own country, when they didn't know where they were going, when they had no place to lay their heads, God was their dwelling place. And they could depend on everything or depend on him for everything. He was that big. And then Moses says, actually, even before we were here and before this land was here, you are God. You have been from forever ago and you will always be forever. You are everlasting. And he's making this point that who God is and what God does, it is enormous and eternal. That God is doing big things. And we know that, don't we? I mean, all it takes is for you to be out in your yard one evening and you see the pink and the orange in the sky and you see the sunset over the mountains. And what do we think? Wow, God, you made that. You still do that. That is amazing. That is your glory right there. You know, or you can be in the ocean or in the mountains and be struck by how small we are and how big God is and the big things he's doing. And some of us don't even need something that majestic. All you need is the experience we had last week. You know, because when you have a two-year-old, you can't really go out to dinner and um, like have a good time and have everybody happy with you when you leave the restaurant. You know, because they scream and they make noise and all that. But this last week, for 45 minutes, we were at dinner somewhere 
And we left the restaurant and our two-year-old had not made a, you know, a scream at all. And we walked out and it was just like, wow, God, you are huge. <laughs> and can you just keep doing that eternally, you know, forever? Sometimes that's all it takes. God is doing big things. But you know what? That is hard to keep in front of us, isn't it? I mean, maybe you ponder it in the morning or maybe it's a sunrise you see in the morning and you think about that, but that's hard to keep in front of my face all day long. And that's hard to keep in front of us. That's very difficult to do throughout the work week, isn't it? It's hard to keep in front of us because while God is doing big things, we have big things in our lives that we're doing too, don't we? I mean, there's a family that you have. You have friends that you have. These are big things. There's a job. There are bills. There are extracurricular activities. And these are big things for us. And we tend to forget. And then, we've talked about this before, we live in this culture that causes us to be very me, man, self-centered, right? Because a lot of times what our culture holds up or looks at is what do we, what do, we do in life? And how much money do we make? And where do we live? And what do we drive? And we esteem the accomplishments and the doings of men. You know, all these pro sports leagues, what is there at the end of the season? There's, an, there's a most valuable player. And we look at what that man or that woman has done. And then there's another aspect where we just think about our lives and we think, well, my life is, is my life. And I choose what to do with my life. And my time is my time. And I choose what to do with my time. And I make my decisions. And we sometimes forget that the God who, who did huge, incredible, big things before we were ever here, that he could have done it all without us. But he included us. He chose us to be part of what he's doing. And so I go about my life and in the background, it's like God is doing these enormous big things. But I don't always see that because I have big things I'm doing in my life. And a lot of times the prayer in my life is not, Lord, show me what to do with my time so I can be part of what you're doing at all times. It looks more like this. Lord, look what I'm doing with my time. You should be part of it at all times. <laughs> We've prayed that. Lord, bless what I'm doing. Be part of what I'm doing. And that's okay. But sometimes that's not a prayer. It becomes a complaint. We say, Lord... Look what I'm doing. Where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you part of it? And that's where the Israelites had gotten when they were in the, in the wilderness. Remember, God had guided them. He had delivered them. He had protected them. He had provided for them. And yet, what are they saying? God, what are you doing? You know, this is awful. I wish we would have died in Egypt. How many of you, how many of you growing up or you have in your family right now, this, this family activity called going for a drive? Here's what happens in going for a drive, okay? You don't go to a store. You don't get to buy anything. You don't go out and get something to eat. You go drive through nature. And you look at the colors and you look at the wildlife and you get to be in the mountains. Okay, that actually sounds very enjoyable now. But when I was 10... That was awful. 
In fact, how many of you also have in your family this thing called copping an attitude? <laughs> it kind of looks like this. Or like this. <laughs> I can do the girl version of that because I live with girls. So, <laughs> Not you, honey. Not you. I'm going to keep talking. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. But one day, let me just tell you how, how this all came about. One day, I had the original Nintendo Entertainment System, okay? And my game was Super Mario Brothers, the original. And in Super Mario Brothers, there are eight worlds with four levels each world, okay? And when you get to the end, it's level 8-4, okay? When you get there, that's the end, okay? And you go through the level, and you end up on this bridge facing King Koopa, Okay, and he's like shooting fireballs at you and you have to get past to those and run under him when he jumps up in the air. And if you do that, you hit this little like golden axe and it drops the bridge and King Koopa falls into the lava and you win the game. Okay, 10 years old, I've been trying this for months and months and months. And the original Nintendo, you can't save games. So every time you turn that thing on, you're starting at the very beginning again. Okay. And so I'm just, I'm, here I am one Saturday afternoon and I'm on the bridge, okay? I'm facing King Koopa and this is the biggest thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind, okay? <laughs> and from upstairs, my parents say, Nathan, shut it off, we're going for a drive. <laughs> oh my. Okay, just two more minutes, mom and dad, just two more minutes, no, now. There was no bargaining, okay? And you can't leave the Nintendo on because those things, I don't know if you ever had one, but if you leave those on and then come back to them three hours later, it's a fire hazard, okay? They get so hot. And so I was going to have to shut it off. And that's when it happened. I copped an attitude. And I learned you don't cop an attitude, okay? But isn't it, isn't it interesting how we get so focused on what I'm doing is such a big deal? that I don't want to go see these mountains that Moses wrote about. I don't want to go be in nature. I don't want to go see God's creation. And my parents even played the God card. They were like, you get in the car because we're going to see God's creation today. <laughs> I just thought, oh, okay. In youth, this is before Game Boy and iPad and iPhone and all that. So you have no option. When you sit in the back of the car, you sit there and you look out the window. There's no TV screen or anything like that. So it was awful. But I often forget, and we often forget, that God is doing big things because I have big things I'm doing. And if you look at verse 3 in Psalm 90, Moses gives us this reminder that even if he didn't give it to us, life reminds us of. Look what he says. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. See, I may forget that God is doing big things because I have big things I'm doing, but there's this reminder right here that what I'm doing, it ends because I'm returning to dust and we are all returning to dust. I mean, think about what Moses has seen when he said this. He has seen in a matter of days, the control and the wealth of Pharaoh disappear, return to dust. He has seen in moments the might and the power of Pharaoh and his army return to dust. He has seen over 40 years, 600,000, at least 
people return to dust. And then if that's not enough of a change in perspective, look what he says in verse 4. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Okay, now maybe this is just some people call me a numbers nerd and I don't even care because I like it, okay? But whenever I see a number in scripture, I just start getting the calculator out. And this was incredible to me. This really jumped out. A thousand years in God's sight are like a day and maybe even less. It says like a watch in the night. But you do the math on this, you know, divide both sides by 24. 41.67 years to us. It's like an hour to God, maybe less. Suddenly those 40 years that the Israelites wandered in the wilderness didn't really seem like that long, did it? Because see, from God's perspective, we are very temporary. Our time is very temporary. What we're doing is very brief. And then if you keep doing the calculations on this, I just, I don't know what happened. I got excited, okay? This, this moment that we're looking at with Moses, you know how long ago that was to God? A few days. Actually, I did the math and it was, it was Wednesday just before midnight in God's eyes. This, this incident, Moses' life. Wow, so God, you've seen Aristotle. You remember what Aristotle was doing. You remember watching him walk around, write things, think, all that stuff. Yeah, that was like Friday, about 2.30 in the morning. Okay, so 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. He says, yeah, I remember that. It's like 12 and a half hours ago. It's about 10.20 last night. So you remember the birth of our nation, God. You remember George Washington's presidency. Yeah, it was about 5.30 this morning. You remember when man walked on the moon? Yeah, it was like an hour ago. You remember Michael Jordan's playing days? Yeah, it was like when this sermon started. Wow, amazing. God's perspective in the small, brief size of what I'm doing compared to what God, his perspective and what he's doing. In fact, to God, he says it's like this. I mean, we look at him and we say, so you've seen all these people who have done all these big things, amazing things. He says, yeah, I see it over and over and over. He has seen the biggest accomplishments of men. And yet all those men, God, I mean, they've achieved things that made them seem just bigger than life. They've made money that made them just seem timeless and immortal. He says over and over. And they return or they are returning to dust. He goes on. Moses says, for God, it's, he says, yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening, it is dry and withered. Wow. And then this calculation we just did, it gets real personal. Verse 10, take a look. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength, if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. 
Do you know what the average lifespan of humans is right now? It's just under 79 years. And if you were to apply that calculation to the average lifespan of humans, you know how long we've got here? I mean, in God's eyes, and again, it's probably less. One hour and 53 minutes. See, my time is so brief. My time is so limited. My time is so fleeting. And I don't know about you, but I look at that and I think, well, gosh, at 33 years of age, I've got maybe an hour left. Wow. And I don't know about you, but you know what that says to me? I think I want to make that count. And if it's not the success of men or accomplishments or wealth or any of that that can extend that time, well, then what is the best use of my time? Well, he helps us out with, us, with it. Take a look at verse 11. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. It's kind of a funny sentence. But again, remember what Moses was seeing at this time? I mean, he was seeing God's anger with this generation of his people who grumbled and complained that what God was doing was affecting what they were doing. But I think this is what Moses is getting at. If we had seen the power and the enormity of you, God, of your wrath, of who you are, there probably wouldn't have been as much grumbling in the wilderness. There probably wouldn't have been as much complaining. And we'd probably give you what you deserve from us. We'd be mindful of what it is you're doing. We'd make decisions in light of what it is that you're doing, God. We'd be in awe and have reverence for what it is you are doing, God, and who you are. And we'd even give him what he talks about next. We'd give him our brief, limited, temporary time. Look what he says in verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Our days are numbered. But do we realize that? Do we remember that? That our days are numbered? Because there's something about when I see the brevity of what I do and the enormity of what God is doing that gives clarity to what I should be doing. You know who knew this? Jesus knew this. Jesus, who didn't even live half of the average lifespan of a human. Didn't even live half of it. He knew this. So that when he showed up here on earth, his entire focus was on, God, what are you doing? And he lived his life totally centered on, God, what are you doing? You remember he got to that day in which he would die? You remember what he said? Not what I want. Not what I'm doing. Not my will. Your will. What you are doing, God. 
Now, I wish there was some way to just stand up here and talk about what that looks like in every single person's life. But I'd really, instead of talking about it, I want you to see it. Because six months ago, we sat down with the youth group, and we, well, we, we talked about this verse, Psalms 90, verse 12. And we talked, especially with the graduated seniors, about how much time they had left in the youth group. See, when a freshman comes into the youth group here, if they come in right at the start of their freshman year, they actually come in kind of towards the end of their eighth grade year into the high school group. From that time until the end of their summer after their, their senior year, they have 222 weeks around that in the group. Six months ago, February 10th, we sat down and we numbered the days they had left in the youth group. And when you take out Easter and Memorial Day, Father's Day, Mother's Day, because we don't meet on those days, they had 22 weeks left. And it was like I had punched some of them right in the stomach. But we've talked about this idea since then. And as time went on, something really incredible happened. And I want you to, I want you to see it and hear it. like you've got a couple weeks left or in less than a month your whole life is going to change and um, that was kind of a disheartening and like shocking realization for me. It kind of freaked me out a lot because like this youth group has been one of the biggest things I've like the biggest parts of me in high school and so just the thought of leaving it was terrifying. It's very it's, it's two weeks is really short and it's not enough to, it's not enough. I'd say for me it was a wake-up call and that really happened on the Chicago trip because this summer I realized this is my last big trip and I only have a few months left in this group. It's hard to think about like how precious time is and like how blessed we really are. You don't really consider those things because you get caught up in everything going on around you. I, I started trying to think about God more and starting to take my, starting to like pray more seriously. And I, before that, I never did that. I was always just going through the motions. I really wanted to be able to meet and impact every single person in the group. So one of the things that I decided to do when I had that feeling was I wanted to meet every single person on the bus. So me and a friend in the youth group, we tried to talk to every kid on the bus. I really just want everyone to be able to feel the same way that I do when I'm in this group where they're growing closer to God and their faith's growing and they see how God's working in their lives and um, where they just trust God and live passionately for God. I don't know, I felt like a, a kick to get more involved with the youth group and I really felt God's presence within the last couple weeks to really kind of reach out to other people and just bond with Him a little more. I really have been inspired to um, just go out and try and show the world like how amazing God is. Every new kid that comes in, 
I'm only going to get to spend a few days with them and I just want to welcome them in with loving arms and just give them exactly the feeling that I felt when I came to this group. don't want to look back on like such a big time in your life before going off and like regret not doing something or regret not like making an impact. Life is short like you don't have unlimited amount of time you have to be able to capitalize on relationships and opportunities and trips and try to get the most out of every single moment that you can. I just I want to be more committed to God in the future. I don't want to be how I was in earlier high school years. Yeah. I don't want to look back and think like God asked me to do that and I blew it off because of whatever reason. You don't have all the time in the world to witness to people so I guess the best thing to do is just do it when you, right when you can and not um, not let time go by. Watch that video like eight times and it's, <laughs> it's hard every time to watch. And yet, I think the reason it's hard is because I get to see these graduated seniors who are leaving a legacy in the group. Tonight and next week, we're saying goodbye to them because their time in the youth group is over. But the legacy they are leaving is incredible. There are, I, I remember thinking all summer, these upcoming freshmen are the luckiest freshmen in the world because this fall, they are gonna walk into high schools all over this area and they are going to know that they have brothers and sisters in their faith, in Christ, that they're friends with and they can connect with. And it's going to take the edge off of starting high school for them. And that's the legacy that our graduating seniors are leaving. Because they saw, did you hear what they said? I realized I didn't have much time left and I saw what God was doing. It's interesting, Moses says in verse 16, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I'd say you guys have had the work of your hands established and you will continue to, graduated seniors. I think what's so powerful about it is I, I actually got to up close see a group of people say, Lord, this isn't about what I'm doing temporarily. I mean, yeah, I have big things going on in my life, but this isn't about what I'm doing temporarily. This is about what you are doing, God, eternally. Do you believe that? Do we believe that? Because if so, then that prayer is a lot easier to say. That prayer, Lord, show me what to do with my time so I can be part of what you're doing at all times.
gets a little easier to pray. And so, as we look at our time with our children, are we saying, Lord, show me what to do with my time when I'm with my kids so I can be part of what you're doing in their lives? Are we saying, Lord, show me what to do with my time at work so I can be part of what you're doing there at all times? Lord, show me what to do with my alone time so I can be part of what you're doing at all times. Every, if you grabbed a bulletin on your way in, you have a copy of this prayer on the back of the visitor information card. If you didn't get a bulletin, um, there are some sheets at the visitor information center and they've got this prayer on there. And I just thought what would be so powerful over the next four weeks as we talk about ready or not, what if every single day we got up and we got on our knees and we said, Lord, show me what to do with my time so I can be part of what you're doing at all times, from everlasting to everlasting. Let's pray. Father, man, we get so focused on what I'm doing, what we're doing all the time. But Father, thank you for the reminder. Thank you for being a God who, even though you could have done all of this without us, and you could have done huge, huge things without us, you chose to include us. Will you remind us of that? And as we pray this prayer over the next four weeks, both individually and together as a body, will you show us, truly show us what to do with our time so we can experience the joy of being part of what you're doing at all times? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for coming this morning. Make sure you're here next week. Todd has got something that is just a great reminder for all of us. So make sure you are here. Thank you.